Hello, and welcome to the Spice Cast, the podcast where we talk about spices and spicy moments in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Ruben, and joining me this episode are two very special guests. Guest number one, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Justin. Uh, Justin, do you have a fun fact about yourself you'd like to share? Yeah, I just wanted to mention that I was interested in coming on this podcast because spices in general have been a big part of my life. I grew up uh, going to a school in uh, southern Texas that was mostly Mexican, but also had an Air Force base. And so I was surrounded by Mexican food and weirdly Korean food, which you can't really get in a lot of other parts of Texas. So I had kind of a combination Mexican-Korean palate growing up. That's cool. I'm Lishan. How about you, Lishan? Do you have a fun fact about yourself? Well, I wanted to be on this podcast because in the last year or so, I've gotten super nerdy about good spices and how different they can taste from one another. I actually once did a turmeric tasting in the office so people could experience that for themselves. So spoilers, uh, this is episode eight, uh, Turmeric of the Spice Cast. Thank you both for being on with me. Thank you for having um, us. Thank you for letting us nerd out. Uh, if anybody can't tell, uh, we're still in different places. Um, our audio quality is perhaps varied and uh, the coronavirus pandemic is still ongoing. So we're not gonna be able to taste spices together in person today, but uh, I'm really excited to have both of these guests on. Uh, I think they're certainly more expert than I am about turmeric, uh, and that's exciting for me. So um, let's get right into it. Uh, Do either of you have favorite uses for turmeric in cooking? Honestly, my favorite uses for turmeric are a little bit boring because a lot of what I cook is a little lazy, let's say. I love throwing about a half teaspoon of turmeric and a quarter teaspoon of black pepper into miso. Honestly, I put it in my cereal along with some cardamom in the mornings. What kind of cereal? Weirdly complicated. I don't know if we're allowed to mention brands, but is yeah, we have we have no ties to any brand. Excellent. Feel free to endorse. <laughs> well, we're going to get demonetized. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the Ezekiel cereal, which is the only one that either of us could find that is both delicious and doesn't have any sugar added. Well, if Ezekiel wants to sponsor the podcast, they should right. feel free to reach out to yeah, us. Yeah, if they want podcast wanted... at the spicecast.com. If they want to send any of us free cereal i would be delighted yeah we we both have kind of a sugar addiction problem in that when we start it's hard to not keep going and so i tried to get you know no sugar added cereals and you think you know raisin bran it's just raisin and and grains how could they put sugar in that and it's it's in everything it's so hard it's so hard to get off the bandwagon absolutely one of my favorite uses is uh, also a lazy use is to add it to masala chai and um, there is a pre-made mix for when i'm feeling especially lazy called bhakti chai which is 
arguable in its authenticity, but it's pretty good anyway. And adding just a little bit of turmeric and black pepper gives it uh, kind of a, a, a bitter earthy flavor in addition to all the other fun flavors. So I, I like having that one after dinner. Oh man, though I hate- Sounds great. I hate admitting to like having turmeric drinks partly because it's a stereotype and partly because anyone who actually comes from a culture that regularly consumed turmeric before the last 20 years or so doesn't do that because um, turmeric with milk in it as a hot drink is considered to be a thing that you have on sick days when you're not feeling well so why would you have it when you're feeling fine? Um, my favorite use for turmeric is also a little bit boring, I think, uh, but it is just to put it into any kind of curry or spiced sauce that I'm making. Um, it adds a little bit of bitterness, it adds a really beautiful color, and I really love the, the sort of earthy notes that, it's, that it brings to any kind of a, a sauce for vegetables or meat or anything. Yeah, I, I like adding it when... Uh, a dish is too, uh, I don't know, bright, for lack of a better word. I never really know how to describe flavors, um, but it, it rounds things out in a way that I find more satisfying. Yeah, and you really don't need too much of it either, um, which is, I mean, it's great. It's a, str it's a pretty strong flavor, and it, it brings a lot to dishes, I think. Um, if either of you have recipes that you'd like to share involving turmeric, I'd be happy to post them in the show notes. One of my favorite turmeric companies, Diaspora Co., has a bunch of delicious-looking turmeric-containing recipes all over their site, so I definitely recommend taking a look at those. I have one recipe that I make on sick days, like she was saying, uh, for a kind of a mildly spicy kichti. It's a sort of a porridge. Sounds good. Um, I will post those links in the show notes if any of our listeners are interested. All right, so do either of you know what is turmeric? It is a delicious yellow rhizome that grows lots of places, but largely in, if I recall correctly, Southeast Asia. Yeah, so other rhizomes that you may be familiar with include ginger. Um, so turmeric is in the ginger family, and it's actually from usually from the species curcuma longa. Uh, there are a lot of species in the curcuma family, uh, many of which are sold and used as turmeric. However, the, the primary one that's sold, at least in the West, is uh, curcuma longa. Um, you can use it fresh or you can boil it and then dry it and grind it into a yellow-orange powder, which is how most of us consume our turmeric. Um, Justin, I think you were describing the flavor as... as I, I, I was describing it as an antidote to bright flavors that rounds things out. Yeah, so usually the flavor is described as earthy and slightly bitter. Um, it's mostly used in savory dishes, but also sometimes in sweet ones. And um, turmeric is widely used in cooking in many parts of Asia, the Middle East, and North and South Africa. 
one other thing that's really cool about turmeric is its color um, and it's used to color foods and also just dye clothing in some parts of the world um, but it's used to color foods including cheeses salad dressings margarine uh, prepared mustard and a lot of other uh, dishes so it's known as a as a much cheaper alternative to saffron yeah, I've noticed that uh, turmeric is often used in the same function as annatto for that purpose, and sometimes they're used both together to get a lot of extra orangey-yellow color that uh, isn't right. normally in things. But um, And for those who aren't familiar, would you describe what annatto is? Uh, annatto is a condiment uh, from the annatto seed, and it is used as one of the primary components of achiote paste, which is a condiment um, that I grew up with that's common in Mexican food and probably other places. It's commonly used in those cultures as a meat rub. And yeah, yeah. the best one we found comes from Calustians in New York, if anyone cares about that side note. <laughs> You can also get it in Latino grocers on occasion, but not all of them. Usually it's more the Mexican-oriented grocers, whereas around here we get more of the South American grocers, so it's a little harder to find in our neighborhood, but it is possible. So I, I got some recently um, from a friend who came back from a trip to Colombia mm. um, and brought me back all the spices that he didn't know. Basically, he, he brought back all the ones that he didn't know what they were, mm -hmm. um, and I found the the seeds incredibly difficult to use because they're just so hard. That's yeah, exactly yeah, I, why achiote paste exists because no one wants to mess with those. I I didn't want to ruin my food processor, but they're it's like putting gravel in there. I don't know how they make it into a paste. They must boil it forever. Yeah, yeah, or use some kind of industrial like milling machine or something. But I I would not. I don't have the willpower to make that from scratch. Or the vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the other thing that I've heard people do with it is they infuse it into oil and the color comes out into the oil okay. and then they just use the oil, um, just sort of a, a plain neutral oil. Um, and one dish that uses that, and I believe also achiote paste is puerco pibil. Have either of you ever had that dish? No, we're we're both vegetarians, so I see. It it can be a little bit challenging. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I was not vegetarian when I was living um on the border with Mexico, but um it, I was kind of flirting with it off and on, so I probably would not have had a lot of it. <laughs> you know what achiote Fair paste enough. is great in though? Everything? Eggs. What? You just mix a little in with eggs and basically make a huevos a la mexicana other than that, which is eggs mm -hmm. with onion, jalapeno, and tomato, and they come out amazing every time. Scrambled eggs? Yeah, just scrambled oh, yeah. eggs. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, huevos a la mexicana is one of the breakfasts that I really loved growing up, and it um, is mostly just those three ingredients, which are the colors of the Mexican flag, white onions, red tomatoes, green jalapenos, very finely diced, and you just scramble it with eggs. Cool. Uh, but back to turmeric. Yeah, back to turmeric. <laughs> um, do either of you have any other uh, fun facts about 
its species or what it is? It's mentioned that the flavor is earthy and slightly bitter, and that's generally true, but turmerics can taste really, really different depending on where they're grown and how fresh they are. The, I actually have two favorite turmerics, one of them by Burlip and Barrel and one of them by um, Diaspora Co., the company I mentioned earlier. And the Burlap and Barrel one has kind of a sweet floral flavor to it on top of, you know, the earthiness. Whereas the Diaspora Co. one tastes almost mustardy. It's very savory. So I use them for different applications and I don't know how to give either of them up. Um, yeah, so uh, what I was saying was that uh, I always thought the rhizome was the root, but I learned... A not that long ago, maybe a week or two ago, that rhizomes are actually considered stems. And oh, really? they're just subterranean stems. And you can see this... I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that until super recently, but you can see this more clearly um, with bamboo because we've had to pull up a lot of bamboo because... We sure have. It is... Um, unstoppable, invasive? Unkillable. Wild, wildly invasive. And so we've got some coming into our backyard and the root system is connected by rhizomes from, from pole to pole. And it looks like a, a wooden spine. So it's, it's much more stem-like in bamboo than it is in turmeric or ginger. Also very hmm. difficult, but very satisfying to pull out. Interesting about rhizomes. Though. Yeah, yeah. So ginger is often called ginger root, but that's not technically accurate. Is that what you're, that's what you're as saying? As far right? as I can tell, yeah. Um, I'm not a botanist, so don't take my word for it. If any botanists do have more information about this, please feel free to I mean, call into the show. I know botanists. I can ask when we're done with this if you want. <laughs> I mean, I could just to you. declare this very stridently and dare a botanist to correct me. <laughs> If we do have any botanists listening that want to <laughs> affirm or correct Justin, please contact us uh, at podcast at thespicecast.com. So with that, I think we're going to move into history of turmeric. All right. So... Let's get into the history of turmeric a little bit. Turmeric is native to South and Southeast Asia. Um, some sources say that it is specifically native to a particular village in a particular state in India, but uh, those are unconfirmed claims as yet. Um, the word turmeric, do either of you know where it comes from? I do not. I, I know only because I did research for this podcast, but please uh, tell Nerd. me anyway. So it is possibly derived from the Latin terra merita or deserving earth. So that's kind of a cool thing. Um, I, I couldn't trace it exactly, um, and etymologists don't seem to be able to trace it exactly back to Latin, um, but it came certainly from an older language through Middle English to uh, modern English. 
and they believe that is the origin. It's been used in Asia since at least 4,500 years ago. So that's, that's quite a while. Um, and it spread into Oceania and Madagascar via the travels of the Austronesian peoples, um, which were the native were and are the native inhabitants of that area. Um, and one interesting thing that I learned when I was doing research for this podcast is that it's believed that the people of Polynesia and Micronesia independently domesticated the turmeric plant because there's no evidence of contact between Polynesian and Micronesian native peoples and between uh, and South Asian groups um, and Indian uh, Indian groups. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's one of a, a long list of cases of independent domestication, but I don't usually read about things like that, just being completely honest. So I thought that was a, an interesting... Absolutely. Inter Agriculture can be so weird, like the whole thing where rye basically evolved as a grain because it was a weed that people were separating out and then it grew to be more and more like the grain so that it was harder for people to do that yeah that's crazy right plants are amazing pretty much i think i i think i can speak for everyone when i say plants are amazing uh, um go ahead Justin. i was just gonna say especially on a spice focused podcast yeah that's true so um, from South Asia and Southeast Asia, it reached, uh, turmeric reached China by the year 700 CE. Uh, it reached Africa by the year 800 CE, and then it reached Jamaica by the 1700s, which I thought that was actually kind of late. I was surprised it wasn't brought over earlier, considering all of the various unsavory activities that were going on with people traveling to Jamaica um, in the 15 and 1600s. Um, in the present day, turmeric is still used for religious and cultural purposes, especially in India. And there's a Hindu wedding ritual that involves applying turmeric to the bride and groom um, before they're married. Were either of you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the Haldi ceremony. Yeah. It, have you uh, witnessed it or just are familiar with it? I have not seen it in person, but I'm deeply curious about how they can ever get their clothes to be any color other than yellow ever again i don't think they can Just i think that's part part of it entirely disposable outfits at that wedding <laughs> i'm not sure well it's like how we wear it is used it is used as a clothing dye as well so it would make sense that it would be permanently staining i was going to say it's like how we wear white at weddings in the west we try and make things as unreusable from our weddings as possible um lishan you had mentioned um something about lead in turmeric would you be willing to talk a little bit more about that sure so there i don't remember it was within the last few years but there was a recall on all Bangladeshi turmeric, if I recall correctly, because... That sounds right. 
lead oxide was regularly being added to it and obviously that's not good for anyone least of all the people who are processing the turmeric apparently there just wasn't yeah as much knowledge about how destructive it was to the human body but this is based on my memory of articles i read over a year ago so put all the grains of salt or whatever whatever other spice you'd like with that all the grains of turmeric um so i think it was in 2016 based on the research that i did and there were recalls in five countries, including the US and the UK, uh, as well as Canada, I believe, um, and two others. And do you know anything about why they might have been adding lead oxide to the turmeric? Oh, absolutely. People tend to prize turmeric more and feel like it is better quality. The oranger or yellower it is, and lead oxide gives it that bright color, but you know what else gives it that bright color? Delicious fresh turmeric. <laughs> yeah, lead oxide is actually known as red lead because of its red color. And additionally, I, I, I read that it was also because turmeric powder is generally sold by weight and uh, lead oxide is significantly heavier per volume um, than uh, just plain turmeric. So I did not realize that part. That's a little extra sad. Yeah, so um, that's one of the reasons it was chosen as an additive. And that incident was actually part of what inspired us to search for other sources of turmeric and Lishan actually found um, Diaspora Co. and Burlap and Barrel through that research. And they're, you know, very small companies that um, have a lot of transparency in how they deal ethically with farmers and the quality of their goods and everything. And you can speak more to that since you were the one who found it. Sure. I think that of the two, if you had to pick one, I'd probably plug diaspora co simply because it's everything they do is awesome it's a queer woman of color owned business it they give all of their partners wages above fair trade wages they are giving them access to health care the, their whole thing is about decolonizing spices. And they also, I don't think they do anymore, but at one point they just had the testing results from their turmeric about things like curcumin content, lead content, so on, that people could readily look at themselves. That's awesome. Um, right? Yeah, it's an awesome plug. Uh, and we will, again, put that link in the show notes so that um, you all can access that really cool product, too. Burlap and Barrel is also super cool. Their thing is just working directly with small farms to source really exceptionally good spices. 
and theirs is likewise amazing and a different kind of product but both of them are businesses you should support and should buy things from definitely cool um so luckily uh in 2019 the fda removed its import alert on indian and bangladeshi turmeric i know that doesn't mean that the problem is fixed um but that is a, a good sign toward more healthy, sustainable production of turmeric in those countries. It is, and I am happy to hear that. But also, a tangential fun fact, there is no official U.S. limit on the amount of lead that can be put into spices. That's mind-blowing to me. I think you told me that I earlier. Know. I couldn't believe it. That seems like one of the first things you would want to make sure. I mean, we have I limit, spent... we have limits on how much lead you can put in paint, right? Yeah. But not spices? Spices aren't categorized the way food is for some reason. So you can't have a I high think... lead content in staples, but you can in spices, I guess. Exactly. The idea was that, oh, well, people aren't going to put much spice in their stuff, so probably whatever amount of lead they get exposed to is minimal. But number one, no amount of lead exposure is good for you. And number two, they clearly haven't met me because I just overload all of my food with spices. <laughs> well, and number three, it's about the production, too. I mean, those are the people, like you said, that are getting most exposed, right? Exactly. So um, moving on from that uh, rather disturbing fact, uh, but thank you for it. Today- Welcome. <laughs> question mark. I, it's, it's, good to, it's good to know anyway. Um, today, uh, India produces and consumes about 80% of the world's turmeric, which is a crazy statistic. And in addition to that, India accounts for about 60% of the world's exports of turmeric. So they are just far and away the largest producers. Um, and other producers, are, other large producers of turmeric include China, Myanmar, and Nigeria. Huh. I did not know that. I don't think I've ever had Nigerian yeah. turmeric before. I certainly like haven't. Kenyan tea. I'm sure I've had Chinese turmeric, though, because I, based on... Uh, the quality research that I did, um, they tend to export lower quality turmeric. And I'm sure I bought that sometime in college. I would believe... That sounds plausible. <laughs> I would believe that's where all the McCormick turmeric comes from. We've certainly had that experience with tea. Like, there's a lot of Chinese tea that gets exported as, quote, matcha, unquote, that is that convinced me for years that matcha was not a thing that I would be willing to have in any circumstances. <laughs> any other comments about the history of turmeric? Um, not specifically history, but it was it just me or did it appear everywhere for everyone else about five years ago? Definitely from a health perspective, it was a huge trend. Do, do we know why that happened or what, what prompted the sudden appearance of turmeric at coffee shops and um, health food supplement shops? Superfoods. 
I think we're going to get into it a little bit later okay. in the medicinal uses section, um, but let's let our audience ruminate on that for a little, a little Ooh, while. Foreshadowing. So now we're going to have to take a break for a word from our sponsor. Now, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the SpiceCast is sponsored by SEPS. SEPS is a revolutionary oral supplement that's guaranteed to improve your workout performance by up to 30%. Just take SEPS before you head to the gym or before your home workout, in the case of uh, the quarantine, and you'll be amazed at the results. If you'd like to up your exercise game, buy SEPS today. So, Lishan and Justin, have either of you used SEPS before? I can't say that I try SEPS. <laughs> but would you buy SEPS? I might try SEPS. <laughs> the Spicecast would highly recommend that you try SEPS. Uh, Justin, do you have any experience with SEPS? Oh, it's amazing. It's life-changing. SEPS puts peps in your steps awesome thank you for that ringing endorsement um the the world of the spice cast has really been changed by seps and um we we highly recommend that everybody pick it up before their next workout uh, and we recommend that you work out at least three times a week uh while you're at home while you're quarantined so uh you're gonna have to get some seps very soon just make sure no one intercepts your steps. Yes. It's a hot commodity. Thank you to Seps for being a proud sponsor of the SpiceCast. And remember, try Seps and buy Seps. So that brings us to the medicinal uses of turmeric. Turmeric has- Boy, I need to be extra nerdy. Yeah. Turmeric has really taken off over the past f five or 10 years in, the, in Western culture, uh, specifically in the US. Um, Lishan, do you wanna tell us a little bit about why that is? Oh, well, there have been a lot of studies that have turned up some fun results when it comes to turmeric, like, we were talking about heavy metal exposure earlier. There have been some studies showing that turmeric can help protect you against arsenic exposure, though please don't try that at home if you can avoid it. Uh, can I tell you uh, um, my favorite? Your favorite yeah. arsenic? Yeah, my favorite arsenic um, <laughs> to match my old lace. No, um, my favorite study was one that showed that regular turmeric consumption on the order of like a quarter teaspoon a day replicates the endothelial function of exercise. So if you can't get a lot of cardio exercise, turmeric does almost as well. And when you combine them both, it improves your endothelial function by, wasn't it something preposterous like 80%? I don't remember the exact number, but just to clarify for people who aren't as deep into the weeds as we are, endothelial function basically is what makes your arteries less stiff. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Is, has that been validated or verified? It was in a peer-reviewed study that's up on NIH. Um, so I don't know if any other um, research labs have replicated it, but it has been peer-reviewed and I haven't seen any retractions yet. Cool. Likewise. But it, there have been really high quality studies showing that it can be helpful for all kinds of weird things. Like there was a, a double-blinded, randomized, placebo-controlled study that it helps lupus patients with a number of overly nerdy details, but generally it's helpful for the treatment of lupus. I've, I've also heard of studies that um, talked about the interaction of curcumin, which is the primary chemical um, in turmeric, um, the interaction of curcumin with arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, cancer, all kinds of really interesting studies that have been done. Yeah, it has a general anti-inflammatory effect and a lot of conditions are at least comorbid with uh, inflammation and there is a lot of research into whether inflammation is a symptom or cause of these kinds of things and in at least some of them it certainly exacerbates the symptoms like inflammation cause makes you more prone to get infections for example um, so reducing inflammation just across the spectrum is generally good for you i'd like to take a tangent though and just say that curcumin is the most studied of the anti-inflammatory compounds in turmeric but it's definitely not the only one there have been some really interesting studies that for example if you treat people with various amounts of curcumin or just with turmeric extract the turmeric extract functions better hmm. yeah the other phytonutrients in turmeric enhance the effect of the curcumin so curcumin by itself is not as effective as just eating the whole plant and further um, you can increase the bioavailability of those phytonutrients by adding black pepper and since I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but Ayurvedic medicine apparently recommended having turmeric with black pepper 2,000 years ago. I, did. I think it was longer than that, but yeah. Wow. So okay. as, as you alluded to, um, many traditional medical practices have been using turmeric in various forms and combined with various other spices and remedies for millennia. Um, Ayurvedic medicine, um, Siddha medicine, which is another uh, medical practice that originated in India, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, as well as a number of other um, sort of cultural medical practices have been prescribing turmeric for a, a really wide variety of ailments for, for thousands of years. And that's not incredibly uncommon um, in terms of spices, uh, but it is there is an overwhelming prevalence of turmeric as remedy in all of these different traditions it seems very cross-culturally relevant yeah specifically in south asia southeast asia and east asia so, so the places you would find it yeah the places you would find it 2500 years ago is where it was being prescribed believe it or not mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, I do want to 
temper the miracle drug nature of turmeric with a little bit of skepticism. There have been a couple of studies and articles that have come out in journals over the last couple of years that are disputing some of the claims uh, of the, the previous studies. And the, the general basis is that many of the previous studies used concentrated turmeric or concentrated curcumin uh, and the amount that's actually present in turmeric might not be enough to achieve the same results in humans. Um, so there's definitely some conflicting data on this, but uh, the overwhelming majority of studies that I found were pointing toward um, like positive effects of turmeric and no studies that I could find were pointing to negative effects in normal amounts. The, pretty much the only thing you want to be cautious about in normal amounts is if you have issues with recurrent kidney stones, um, turmeric is relatively high in oxalates. That's why you should, if you're having the whole turmeric, generally not have more than a teaspoon of it a day. But if you have kidney stones, oxalates are one of the things most likely to cause them. And you should consider taking curcumin supplements instead if you wanted to give turmeric anything oral. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah. And I think generally, um, even though we don't have turmeric used as a specific medicine for specific disorders that at least not accepted right now um, it's a very chemically interesting plant because curcumin is what was it um, let me pull up the exact numbers here curcumin has racked up reports of over 300 different types of biological activity making it the 10th most promiscuous molecule known to science meaning that they tend to attached to things very easily more or less and uh it's it's a very wide open field of research so far yeah and i think some scientists many scientists are still excited about future potentials for curcumin and turmeric research um, some that i was reading said it had gone far enough already and because of the the lack of correlation uh it was essentially a, a dead field of research, but I, I'm skeptical of both sides in this case. I find the idea that it's been overstudied to be very frustrating just because, and this is maybe getting into an area of extra nerdery for me, but there are a lot of amazing things that just food can do for your health that is minimally studied because it can't be easily put into a controlled pharmaceutical product. Like one of the reasons there's been so much study of curcumin versus turmeric is because how do you sell standardized turmeric to people as a supplement? Mm -hmm. um, but the amount of money that's been spent on studying turmeric is vastly smaller than the amount of money that gets spent on studying 
single pharmaceutical products all of the time. And if it's something relatively cheap that you can buy over the counter that can really improve your health, that seems weirdly profit-driven to me rather than health-driven. Yeah, there's just not a lot of use for a private company to fund studies on things that people can get at the grocery store. So we're really relying on a lot of either tangential studies of curcumin or or of like publicly funded studies at universities. Um, so I, I'm skeptical of the idea. There's nothing left to learn. Definitely. There have been fair, criti- fair critiques. Thank you. There have been some pretty amazing studies of things that I can't believe got funding though. I think my all time favorite is the randomized double-blinded placebo-controlled study of whether normal care was better for knee osteoarthritis or wrapping a leaf of cabbage around it for two hours a day was better. Amazingly, the the cabbage. The cabbage was the better of the two choices, though not as good as topical pain gel. Okay. So what is normal care then? Ice and heat? You know, it's been a while since I read the study. I don't recall precisely. All right. Well, I'm not going to fact check that, so I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to wrap cabbage on my knees Mm -hmm. all the time. Right? There was also a study that said that sesame oil was a good topical pain reliever, which just leads me to conclude that if your knee hurts, the solution is to make your knee as delicious as possible. Just knee dumpling. Yeah, Pretty much. Wrap, your, wrap your knees in Chinese food. You'll feel better. <laughs> I, I mean, if you smell good, you feel good, right? That's true. That's, that's a fact. It's a spice fact. <laughs> so any discussion of medicinal uses of turmeric would be incomplete without mentioning one particular researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Bharat Agarwal. And he was studying, for many years, he was studying the use of spices and herbs, specifically turmeric and specifically curcumin, to treat cancer. And um, in the last, I think, 15 years or so, uh, data has come out that has pretty much discredited him. uh, And many many of his papers have been retracted and removed from journals after it was found that he manipulated many of his images to represent different results than um, they actually found in the studies. Do either of you have any thoughts about that? I feel like it's generally a good idea to look skeptically at studies, look who is funding a particular study, and honestly look into the other research that a person is doing because it's possible if they're all, if they're repeatedly studying the same thing, that is just an area of expertise that is very narrow and that not many people could study. But if they keep studying the same thing over and over, a lot of the time there's either some kind of agenda behind it or some kind of financial incentive. I don't know the details of what was behind this instance of it, but that would be one of my guesses. 
are you saying that you should be looking for a pattern of adjusting variables until you get the result you're looking for? No, I'm saying honestly, you should be looking to see if someone is repeatedly studying to get the same conclusion. Like if you're studying something and always getting the result, turmeric is great or well, this is a personal pet peeve of mine, but the keto diet is super healthy. You can cut that off. I understand you'll get a lot of angry commenters. Um, then probably there's some sort of reason for it. Either like they've personally had a good experience that they want to validate and wanting to validate something that you already have an opinion on isn't real science. Trying to figure out what the truth is, is real science. Yeah, I just think it's disappointing for me when I was going back and reading a lot of these studies that a number of the most famous and most popular ones are now sort of discredited and, re and retracted. And it makes me, it, I think it makes the field less optimistic. Um, whereas before the retractions, I think people were really excited about studying turmeric and curcumin because Dr. Agarwal had come up with some really awesome results about cancer, treating cancer. Um, I think now people are, are less incentivized because, because they see it as maybe a tainted area. I hope that's not the case because there are bad eggs in literally every field of everything and just mm -hmm. because someone high profile has come out as being dishonest about something doesn't mean that all of the other amazing research being done in the field is somehow now a problem yeah absolutely and i think this is a difficult field because a lot of this um is at least related to say traditional medicine and i think a lot of researchers go into investigating the claims of traditional medicine skeptically anyway so there's there's already kind of a i don't know a, a woo woo stink about it for a lot of people and having it sort of having that preconception confirmed uh, by him being discredited makes it very difficult to actually investigate those kinds of claims. And honestly, just the field of science right now has problems with replication because people aren't, people are rewarded for constantly coming up with new research and new results rather than for confirming someone else's results. So you get a lot of studies that you haven't properly vetted because there's no financial or professional incentive for people to do so. Agreed. <laughs> I, I want to couch all of this in that our information is from the year 2020. Many studies are currently being done. Many studies will be done in the years to come. And so uh, none of this is final. Science is never final. I would 100% bet that someone is studying whether curcumin can help with COVID-19 right now. <laughs> I'd believe yeah, it. Yeah, that's very plausible. If you are that researcher and you'd like to be interviewed on the podcast, 
please reach out to us at podcast at thespicecast.com. And with that, I think we're going to move to our pop culture segment. Turmeric doesn't have a lot of presence in pop culture. Um, In fact, when I was doing research, I was only able to find two instances. Um, Justin, I I think you were able to find one other. Do you want to share that one? Yeah, Mark Maron was just doing a set about the current popularity of turmeric and how uh, it sounds like a scam of, well, we we can't just sell turmeric. We have to tell people there's something special about our product. It's got black pepper, which activates it. And he was just very skeptical about the thing and the conclusions. So anyway, I'm taking turmeric and it's great. I feel very uninflamed. That was literally the only reference I could find. Yeah, and I, I didn't I didn't come up with much more. I found a 2011 song by the band R.E.M. Uh, called Discoverer, which mentions turmeric in the lyrics once. I mean, it's it's not it's a pretty tenuous reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and not one of their better-known songs either. And I I also found a novel by an Indian writer called Mountains Painted with Turmeric. Obviously, that's the translation. Um, But what I thought was interesting about that novel is that it was originally written in Nepali, and I did not know that there was a community of Indian writers writing in Nepali. Did either of you know that? I mean, I, I know not. there's some cultural exchange, but I didn't know specifically that there were Indian writers writing for a Nepali reading audience. I'd just like to disclaim, we were mostly looking at instances of turmeric in Western pop culture, where it is a more recent arrival. I am willing to suspect that in many languages, I do not speak well enough to find information about this. It is all over the place. Absolutely. And I'm just going to take a wild guess that there are some recreations of um, cultural and religious rituals involving turmeric in a whole bunch of media that I don't know how to search for. Yeah, it's hard to know how to search for movies with um, holiday wedding ceremony scenes. Yeah, the the song lyrics was slightly easier, but that's obviously only English song lyrics as well. So, um, that was that was the extent of my pop culture research. Yeah, that was a hard one to search for, um, but I will say, and I should have mentioned this at the top of the podcast. I'm just reviewing my notes here, and I saw I missed something. Uh, one of my favorite foods that has turmeric in it is a Lebanese like semolina cake. That's flavored with uh, turmeric and sugar and like aniseed. And it's called Sfouf. And I'm not Lebanese, so uh, it's my best effort. S-F-O-U-F. And it's one of my favorite desserts. It looks like Sfouf is also known as Lebanese turmeric cake. Okay, here we go. So if you're having trouble searching for it, um, feel free to search for Lebanese turmeric cake in English. 
Do you have any final tangents you'd like to share with our audience before we end the show? Oh boy. I mean, I assume you don't want to be here all night, so I'll try and stick to relevant tangents. Um, one of the most interesting pieces of turmeric skeptic research I've seen done was Michael A. Walters' work, look up Michael A. Walters and the word pains, which stands for panacea interference compounds, and you'll get a look at what that is. And also, if you do want pre-made blends of delicious stuff to put into turmeric drinks, my two favorites are probably the one from Shafa Blends, Shafa at the very least. They also have an excellent recipe for using their turmeric spice mix. And Saku Teas has a golden orange that's pretty delicious. Yeah, I endorse both of those endorsements. They were at my turmeric tasting, so I thought of it. Thank you for your agreement on those endorsements. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about how the turmeric tasting went? It went really well. Um, everyone had a different favorite. I brought my my Burlap and Barrel and my Diaspora Co. and those two that I mentioned. And I think I just brought a Penzi's turmeric for the last one, which is, you know, better than most grocery store turmeric, but not absolutely the best you can find anywhere the way things like reluctant trading are. And mm -hmm. I advertise this to members of my tea group. So they are already interested in just trying weird drinks. And I mixed a little bit with well, oat milk, because we had someone who couldn't have dairy in the group, and people picked their favorites. There wasn't a clear winner, which I feel like says something. I mean, maybe there were qualities of each one that were outstanding. Exactly. I mean, that's certainly how I feel about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have owned all four of those things, which I still feel a little embarrassed about. No need. This is the Spice Cast. <laughs> You get to be. We own many varieties of many, many different spices. It's it's a plus to be enthusiastic about things. Um, anything else to add before before we end? No, I'm just very uh, glad we could do this with you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you both for being here. Thank you, Justin, and thank you, Lishan. We will continue to provide uh, coronavirus. Uh, content, meaning no in-person tastings for the foreseeable future, um, but we're excited to get back to uh, being able to taste together, hopefully sometime sooner rather than later. But uh, with that, I think that's going to do it for episode eight of the Spice Cast, Turmeric. So um, thank you again for being on with me, and thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Ruben, and we're out. Oh, do you want to do a little um, 
some kind of audio cue like spice fat yeah absolutely like i think that is a signature that you could use all right I i'm ready whenever you are spice fact spice thank fact. you mm-hmm